What? 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 About. 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 What? 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 It's, it's, it's about, about. Hello and welcome to What It's About, the podcast full of poorly researched and strongly held opinions with your hosts, Kyle and... Claire! Hi, Claire. How are you? I am very good. I'm having some issues with my uh, my eyelash extensions. Oh, no. Oh, gosh, if you knew are how you, are you Are you in any state to be recording a podcast <laughs> right now? I feel like I'll cope. If you knew how hard it was to be a girl, and just like, it, randomly expensive. God. Societal pressures, man. They make me get little eyelashes glued to my eyelashes. Um, I don't think anybody makes you do that. I just like it so much. It makes me feel pretty. It's amazing how quickly the wall comes down <laughs> between, <laughs> between. oh, it's so hard and I'm forced to do all these things and, oh, yeah, I just like it and it makes me look pretty. Yeah, I just The slightest bit of pushback, Claire. Look, Kyle, I can't fight you today. I'm tired. <laughs> I just can't do it. Uh, how are you? What's new? What's on? Um, Tell me stuff. Chilling. Uh... Yeah, I've been DJing a lot lately. Yeah, you're off on a trip soon, right? N- DJing in Ningbo. Uh, yes, that's that's correct. Who who for? What what are you doing? Um, I don't want to talk about that at the moment. I'm doing. Ooh, is it secret? No, I just not interesting to just, people who aren't here in China. This is true, but um, pretend it's secret because it makes you sound a little. <laughs> uh, that's still under contract. <laughs> it's very private. So. Um. Reggae music going worldwide. Lovely, delightful. Um, should we kick things off? Let's crack on. You go first. All right, five facts in five minutes. Uh, fact number one. This one's a bit of a sad one, but I uh, felt it important to pay respects. Um, over the weekend, we had the death of uh, Lee Scratch Perry. Um, who's a very famous reggae musician. Yeah, I was reading about this uh, on BBC News this morning. Um, he, what did they say about him on the BBC? Uh, like, oh, I only really read the title. Like, okay. father of reggae or grandfather of reggae yeah. he died. Actually, he, he is largely credited with inventing dub music. Oh, wow. Um, so dub is like... Dub is like reggae with a whole bunch of like effects and echoes and like, you know, different sections of the music removed so that there's a lot of space and, you know, more room for all those effects. Um, Because he was a madman in the studio. Like he was a he was an engineer Mm. and would just like, oh, what happens if I take this delay or echo and I rewire it so that I can put the output back into the input? And then take the output from there and put it through this other amp that nobody uses. Um, and so he was a he was a literal madman in the studio and would do all this crazy stuff like that. And uh, you know, ended up with dub music, which uh, which I'm a big fan of, obviously. Hmm. I'm I'm sorry for his passing. Rest in peace. Um, so mine is uh, Paralympic themed, as oh. the Paralympics are going on. Okay. Um, so I've been reading about the last time the Paralympic Games were hosted in Tokyo, which was in 1964. Um, and there was this British woman called Kaz something, I've forgotten her surname, who went and she won like four disciplines because apparently um, she like didn't know what she was going to be competing in when they uh, sent her to Tokyo. Um, and the Paralympics, like the athletes weren't paid in any way. So for the like Olympic committee to pay for you to go, you needed to compete in like four or five things. 
Uh, but one of the things she won... Like of, she had four different disabilities. No, disciplines. Like she did like discus and swimming and like sprinting. Mm-hmm. So she said that the first time she did discus was actually at the Paralympics. <laughs> She'd never practiced and she was, they were just like, you have to do this now. Um, but she was like an amazing athlete and she still works for the Paralympics now. But one of the um, races that she won a gold medal in has, has been uh, abandoned, but it was called the Wheelchair Dash. Oh, dear. <laughs> Which uh, is not a very good name, is it? Um, it, it like reminds me of like somebody having to run after their wheelchair, like <laughs> as, it's, as it's rolling down a hill or something. Yeah, um, so that's been re- rebranded now. How do they, how do they decide... So, like, if you, you know, if your disability is, like, arm-related or something, do they let you compete in running? Yeah, I think so. They're all, because there are different, like, it's broken up in different ways, but I don't really know the details. But, but I, I mean, like, are people classified by their disability or are they, uh, like, yeah. how, how do you actually compete? Yeah, I think people are classified by disability and then discipline. Hmm, interesting. Hmm. Okay, cool. Uh, so, uh, I picked a theme this week. Mine are all music related. Nice. Um, I so, love a theme. <laughs> love a good theme. <laughs> um, did you know that the Golden Gate Bridge, um, emits a hum? Why? Only, only recently. Um, and it's this very dark, like, that they spent ages trying to figure out. And actually the, the, um, the hum is, it does change in very specific intervals, but it's very often at 440 Hertz. Okay. So um, super low, very low. And that's actually a perfect a, huh. uh, musically. Um, but, uh, can you guess why? Wind? When it does, uh, it, it is related to wind. But the the bridge has been around for decades, and it only so why only now? recently. Um, they changed the paint, and the friction of the wind on the paint of the bridge <laughs> makes it emit a perfect A. Yeah, you're not too far off, actually. It's not the paint, <laughs> but they installed some extra panels underneath the bridge mm. that will make it more wind resistant. Mm-hmm. Um, because some engineers were worried, uh, that very high winds could, uh, do damage to the bridge. So mm-hmm. they installed some anti-wind panels. Um, and it's these panels specifically that hum at, um, at these, uh, perfect interval tones. Um, and they haven't, they haven't found Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. You read all these articles about people who are like, uh, you know, how it like contributes to a sense of doom while you're on the bridge because you can walk <laughs> over it too, you know? Oh, God, contributes uh, to a sense of doom, just like a perfect A, like... <laughs> oh. uh, they haven't figured out a way to fix it yet, but they're they're working on it apparently. That's hilarious. Um, but the mind's a little bit... This is a bit of an odd one. So there's a gene that everybody has called the MAOA gene, um, or as I like to call it, the MAOA gene um, which has been named the warrior gene and if this gene is um either like a so this gene should be like pretty active in all in most people but if it has a low activity or it's not active at all um it can make people impulsive and more violent um but actually it's low activity or not active in six out of ten people so forty percent of people have this have, crazy have violence, Jean. No, the other way around. 60% of people. 
So, no, every... Hang on, I didn't clearly didn't explain it well. Everybody has this gene, the MAOA gene, but if it's not very active in some, some... In some people, it's not very active. If it's not very active in you, it can make you more violent. They've seen, like, a correlation with it. That's why they've called it the warrior gene. Makes hmm. you want to fight people. Um, and it's actually... It's used in America quite a lot in court to try and get people to not be... Uh, if they're, like, killed, basically, if they're facing the death penalty. Because it's like a kind of last resort where lawyers are like, oh, it's not their fault, it's their genetic makeup. Uh, I but it's see. not really used in countries as defence where we don't have the death penalty because it's a bit... You um, know, your genes don't actually make you who you are. But it, mm, it can contribute. Interesting. Um, Weird, it, right? It, uh, it, it makes me curious about, um, like, genetic manipulation... Yeah. And the, and like if we could use it to like create super soldiers or just like, oh, that'd you be know, scary. Yeah. It's if like you made the, this gene inactive, people would be way more likely to be impulsive and violent. And it's like, not like think the equivalent of like, um, you know what they do. I mean, this is terrible, but like what they do to like fighting dogs and stuff where mm. they just like, uh, you know, like from birth are just like raised to be maniacs. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, so there was another study I was reading about. Um, in New Zealand, where they were like, oh, if you have, like, this gene is low active or not active at all, plus, like, these other external factors, like you had a crappy childhood, uh, you come from a low-income area, all of that added together it means you're way more likely to commit violent crimes and to, like, recommit, recommit. Mm-hmm. But quite interesting. Or maybe, like, you know, <laughs> what the really scary, like, extreme is... Like, you're tested at birth, and if this gene is inactive, you're, like, just incarcerated immediately. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a bunch of different scary ways we can approach that one. <laughs> yeah. um, all right, my last one. Um, did you know that uh, musicians' lifespans are X number of years shorter than the average person? Can you guess how many? Twelve. Twenty-five. <gasps> Good God. <sighs> It's because of all the, the taking drugs and drinking and late nights, right? Um, it's part of it. Um, also, I mean, this this is this is kind of a dark fucking facts section today, Claire. Yeah. Um, uh, also, uh, because of suicide rates and um, there there are many factors actually. Mm. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. It's sad, but I'm not I mean, twenty five years is is quite a bit. It's a lot. Like yeah. it's a lot. I mean, a quarter of a life for for people who aren't musicians. Yeah. Uh, well, sorry you won't be seeing 100, Carl. <laughs> no, you're um, very healthy. You're very healthy. You're going to live forever. Um, all right. And that has been our happiest facts of all time. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. on now we're going to talk about dumb stuff all right great i um you know what i'm not even going to say it no neither of us ever know what the what the other person wants to talk about i feel like <laughs> half of our episodes were like i don't know what the episode's on today uh, <laughs> poor planning <laughs> <laughs> so, um did you hear about the drama with this american white woman who called herself the queen of congee no. <laughs> so what I would like to talk about today, Kyle, is congee. 
Okay. Do you want to explain to our listeners what congee is, just in um, case they're not in China? Yeah. Or don't know. Actually, I always thought congee was a was a poor translation, um, or like some people call it porridge, which is yeah, also a poor like not translation. Not really porridge, is it? Um, in Chinese, zhou, z h o u. It's basically like a I don't know what you want to call it, like a rice soup. Um, yeah. Oh, it's I guess like a, a rice porridge. Would yeah, be how we it's a, it. it's very it's very thick. It's thicker than soup, mm. um, and it can be either very plain, like sometimes it's literally just rice and water. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes, uh, you know, there there are all different types of it. It's yeah. very commonly uh, eaten for breakfast. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you'd usually have like uh, yo tiao, which is a type of fried dough, or like different pickles with it. Mm-hmm. Maybe like some fish. Um, I quite like I quite like doing um, a congee for breakfast. And then if I've got like, what kind do you get? Well, so this is if I do it at home. If I've ordered in Chinese food and I haven't finished it, and I'll like chop up the veggies and have them on my congee for breakfast. Mm-hmm. What what kind do you order though? Um, I rarely ever order it because I'm not really a breakfast eater. You cook it at home. But yeah, I'll do that on like on like a Saturday or something for like Saturday Whoa. morning breakfast. Because all it is is literally a little bit of rice, a lot of water, and you cook it for quite a long time. Yeah. And then I just have different toppings, uh, depending. Um, it's like it's cheap, it's delicious, it makes you feel full. Like mm. there's nothing really in it that's unhealthy for you. I mean, white rice isn't the best mm-hmm. thing ever, I guess, but you know. The one I get is uh, Hemi Joe, which is the black, uh, the black rice. Oh, yum. Uh, which is good. It's a bit sweet. It's got some like uh, red beans and stuff in it, too. Uh, I can't do the red bean. I'm not about red beans. I like black sesame in my congee, and I, I like a bit of spice every now and then. I like, you know, the little pickled beans? Yes, that's a that's a Shanghai thing. Yeah, I, I mean like the, that. the uh, you know, as an addition, as a regular addition to porridge. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so tell anyway. me about this woman. Yeah, so um, this woman runs a company um, and it's called Breakfast Cure. And she was like, I'm the queen of congee. Um, Wait, and which, which country is this in? America. Okay. Yeah, America. So she's called Karen Taylor. She runs a company called Breakfast Cure. And Breakfast Cure is literally like she makes congee and sells it to people. That's all she does. And uh, this is her great, great claim is I discovered the miracle of congee and I improved it. Mm. And the internet went mad. Okay. <laughs> Was this person famous before or like no. any kind of a no, chef or anything? No, but like Twitter got hold of it and just went like friggin' nuts and was like, this white woman cannot just be like, I'm the queen of congee. I've discovered congee. I've improved it. She's improved it by making like apple and cinnamon congee. Mm. And like... um. Uh, what was my favorite one? Coconut blueberry paradise congee. Mm. And she was like, this is like, I've uh, nailed it now. Um, and basically, oh, she she calls it weird. Um, she was like, this is some weird food that like I've made not foreign. Hang on, let me find the quote. It's so good. This is a direct quote. I've spent a lot of time modernizing congee for the Western palate, making congee you can eat and find delicious that doesn't seem foreign at all, but delivers all the medicinal properties of this ancient recipe. I... (laughs) Do you have thoughts? I have a few thoughts. Mm -hmm. Um, First of all, yeah, I understand the outrage. Mm -hmm. Like, I understand, like, you know, like... 
some somebody thinking that they've discovered something that people have eaten for hundreds of years and still and, eat and still all eat the yeah. time. But I think your and I, mine and your overall takes on this might be a little bit different. Okay, I'm. What's yours, and then I'll say mine. I've got a, quite a clear opinion. Well, it's like. I think what people would be upset about is that it's like cultural appropriation or something. Mm-hmm. And a lot and, of people on the internet were upset for that exact reason. And I am of the opinion that cultural appropriation does not exist. Oof. And Oof. <laughs> Oof. I've, we'll, we'll circle back to that because I've got many questions. And I think um, that's like, that's what chefs do all the time. Like if like if you're going to open a porridge store in the U.S. like and you're selling fucking rice water like no Americans are not going to buy and eat that nobody ever would but like a fancy like apple cinnamon one like it sounds kind of good to be honest (laughs) and like I understand you know people being like ooh. This is a thing from China that she's added, like, American taste to. This sounds wonderful. I feel like it's what we've done with, like, sushi and pizza and, like, you know, spaghetti and meatballs or, Mm. like, any number of foods that are not, you know, like, Chinese food as a whole. Yeah. Is is like this because the Chinese food that you eat in America is not the Chinese food that you eat in the US is not the same as the Chinese food you eat in China. Yeah. Like the Ch- Chinese food in England bears very little resemblance to anything I've ever seen here. Um one of my colleagues asked me the other day, he's you know, a Chinese guy um from Nanjing and he studied in Liverpool and he was like I have a very serious question for you. And I was like, "Okay." You know, yeah, what is it? He was like, why in England do they kung pao everything? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, because it's delicious. He was like, well, you're not wrong. <laughs> but um, no, so I think my issue with it isn't necessarily the cultural appropriation. I think it's fine to be like, like, you know, I'm a white person from England. I live in China and I'll sometimes cook Vietnamese food if I have people for dinner. Or like the other day I did mm-hmm. like Korean barbecue. And I don't see that as a massive issue. But what I'm not going to do is take something to sell to other people and be like, I took this thing and I made it better. I think it's fine to be like, I took this thing and I've made it differently, but don't say I've made it better. Like call it like fusion congee. Don't be like, I've made it not foreign. Like, like, what are you talking about, you lunatic? Like you can't take a Chinese staple breakfast dish and be like, I've made it not foreign because you sound like an asshole. And you're also implying like what I think... Like, you know, this doesn't offend me. I'm not a Chinese person, but I'm like, what the fuck, dude? Come on. So I'm like, don't be like, you've all been doing it wrong. Because you, she's basically saying that, you know, Chinese people are actually congees eaten, like, in various forms all over Asia. Don't be like, you're doing it wrong, I'm doing it better, and I've modernized it. Like, modernized? Like, no, you haven't. <laughs> Asian food isn't lesser. It's not, Asian food isn't old-fashioned. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I just find that, I'm like, you're an idiot. And she's selling this. She's like, I'm an acupuncturist. I'm selling congee because it has healing properties, which I'm already dubious about. Like, I'm not sure how congee heals you. Okay. Um, But I think that's my issue with it is like implying that, I don't know, other people do it bad. Okay. 
Can you get on board with that or no? Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. I think, I just, I maybe think that she is just like saying the things out loud that everybody thinks when they're <laughs> westernizing food. <laughs> this is a, a good quote I found from, this is a professor, um, and she, he is a professor of English and Asian studies. He said, what is this white nonsense? Why do you think our foods always need improvements? When someone says they're improving food of another culture, they're suggesting that the original food is lesser. Um, she added that saying an, an Asian dish must be modernized suggests that Asians are lagging behind the rest of white America. And so apparently it falls on some white woman to save Asian food from Asian people. Uh, Thoughts? Uh, yeah, I see the point. But like... Uh. So this is my question. Do you think it would be wildly inappropriate for me? Say I move back to the UK... And I want to start a Bowdzer stall, selling Bowdzer. And I did some traditional Bowdzer. And then I did somewhere I was like, I'm going to put cheese inside this Bowdzer. Or I'm going to put like an egg. I don't know, whatever. Like more like bacon and eggs and some cheese. Like, is that offensive? If I'm not like, I'm, I'm, I'm not making it better. I'm making it different. Like, should a white person open a food stall or a restaurant of any kind from another culture. Like, where's the line? Yeah, why the fuck can't they? Because it's cultural appropriation, but what does that mean? It's... Uh, it means that... Uh, dude. <laughs> it means that people are allowed to whine about it on Twitter. <laughs> it, it's like, I don't... Like... No, I think if you wanted to open a Bouts a shop, like who gives a fuck, man? Open a Bouts a shop. What's the problem? Mm. And like I think that the idea that like this thing existed in one in one form from one culture, meaning that it has to be in perpetuity in that same form with that same culture is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. I feel like it would have been fine if she's been like if she'd been like yeah I've I've westernized a, an Asian dish because it's delicious and I but want that to like But that doesn't it. sell tickets, Claire. <sighs> Does it not? Doesn't no, you got to say that it's that it's you know some clearly she's marketing it as like this new age yeah, uh, hippie shit. Yeah. Like, I bet she's the sort of woman that has crystals in her house, you know? And, like, every full moon, she's like, I've got to bath my crystals in moonlight. Um, Like, she just seems a sort. And I can't get behind people that bath their crystals in moonlight. I Have them as a decorative object, if you like. But don't <laughs> bath them in moonlight. It's fucking weird. And also does nothing. It does nothing. I don't even know what to say to that argument. Um... I I got a couple crystals. Do you bath them in moonlight? No. <laughs> what do you do with them? Um somewhere between a somewhere between a decoration and a um a, you know some something like a good luck or fortune piece. Mhm. Mm so when I was working, I don't know if this is a podcast appropriate, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Uh, when I was working 
at this uh, lifestyle magazine, I ended up interviewing this woman um, who made crystal dildos. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was a very long interview because I had a lot of questions. <laughs> This is this is like some Gwyneth Paltrow and goop oh, shit. Uh, yeah, one hundred percent. So she was like, you know, okay, you've got to recharge your crystal once a month in the full moon in the moonlight, and then whatever you do, don't masturbate above tiles because if you drop it, it'll shatter. Okay. Okay. I thought you were gonna give me more more health. Uh, uh, well, yeah, you know, more health like, reasons than that. It energizes you. Like it's healing. It's this. It's that. It's the other. Um, she had a whole list. I just, I don't know why, but the um, don't masturbate over tiles in your bathroom really, really like stuck clearly in my mind. Um, yeah. I, <laughs> did she, did she claim to make the dildo better? Yeah, basically. She was like, it's art as well as a dildo. And these, I was like, these must have been some fucking expensive dildos. Oh, they were really expensive. Because like, okay, because like crystals on their own can get quite expensive. And, and these were pretty hefty, if <laughs> well you can imagine. <laughs> I mean, nobody wants a dildo that's not fucking hefty, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> no one wants a pencil in this scenario, let's be honest. Um, but like also, <laughs> you know, like carving it or whatever the process and, and is. And like polishing it. And also, can I just say, very cold. <laughs> very, very cold. Um, she did say you could warm them up beforehand. Oh my god! Pop them in warm water or just hold them in your hands. For <laughs> a um, it was quite something. Um, I'd like to. I'd like to give this person a shout out. Where can you? Where can you find these dildos, Claire? Oh my gosh! I can't remember their name. <laughs> oh, but do you know she put? Oh, I can't show you because my phone's off. She um, posts a lot of like very explicit photographs on her WeChat moments. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> she also she works for like a juice cleanse company and then mm. has her own crystal uh, mm -hmm. dildo mm -hmm. side company. Mm -hmm. But I think she's like doing pretty well. And I'm not gonna lie, they're very pretty. If you're in the market for a crystal dildo, she is your woman. Okay. <laughs> um. Okay. So back to the back to the food. <laughs> um. Like. I don't, I don't know a lot about food history, mm. um, but I can guarantee that like the pizza, like New York style pizza versus Chicago style pizza, like none of it is what Italians were making a no. hundred years ago or whatever. And like, nobody's going to fucking whine about cultural appropriation of pizza. But do you think that's because it's white people taking stuff from other white people? So then it's okay. But, like, also, you know, I'm from the UK where our national dish is a curry and not an Indian curry. It's a chicken tikka masala, which is a curry that we made up because we just, like, I don't know, did. And like, I eat Indian food all the time. And, like, if people at work, like, you know, I've just started a new job and my colleagues, predominantly Chinese, and they ask me all the time, they're like, oh, but English, English food, I'm so sorry for you. And I'm like, well, that's where you're wrong because I mainly eat Indian because it's delicious. Um... Like, I don't know. Like, I come from a place where, like, we don't really have much, like, national food. Oh, God, everyone English listening to this is going to kill me. Um, <laughs> and, I, like, I do love a pie, but ideally I want chicken curry in a pie. Uh-huh. 
Um, like, we don't have any, like, we don't have much food, food history or food culture. Mm-hmm. What do we have? Like roasts, mm-hmm. sausages, fish and chips, mm-hmm. pies. Yeah. And so what if that's, what if that's the only thing you were allowed to eat? Because be you're because sad. you're British. Yeah, I I'd be very sad and also very fat. <laughs> but like this is this is the world that these people want. This is this is this is I what I'm asking. Yeah, I don't know. Or they they want like it's okay to have porridge or congee, whatever we're calling it for this episode. It's okay to have that, but only if it's made by a Chinese person. Maybe because I can guarantee you. Like, Chinese people would not ever think to make, like, a fucking... This is, like, the pumpkin spice latte version of yeah. uh, congee. And like, that's, like, like exactly nobody's, right? nobody's going to make that. I would you know? quite like a pumpkin spice congee. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> that would be delicious. That's, yeah, like, uh, it's, like, know. the... the uh, you know, that's like the basic bitch meme is like the, you yeah. know, the pumpkin spice latte. Now we're doing it with uh, with porridge. Um <laughs> But so, like, I think with cultural appropriation, like, my local rugby team in the UK are called the Exeter Chiefs, and the, like, logo is, like, a Native American chieftain in, like, a headdress. And I'm like, what the hell, dude? Oh, like, God, that's going like, in a whole different direction. That's that's uh, that, that's outside the scope of this like, podcast. We don't have anything to do with Native America. What's what's happening? Um, um, I mean, we, like, we, so that you know, we literally with. had a football team called the Redskins. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but, okay. Okay, leaving all that aside, I, w- I would like to go on a, a related but um, maybe somewhat tangential topic. Okay, is um, it more related or less related than crystal dildos? Uh, <laughs> it's more related. Okay, great. You're in the parameters. <laughs> um, so uh, there's a magazine called Bon Appetit. Yes. Um, which had like a rather public scandal mm-hmm. around foreigners I mean, there were several aspects to this scandal. Um, but one of the main things was that, like, all of the recipes were made by white people. Mm-hmm. Um, even if they were cooking something that was ethnic in nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, uh, my favorite podcast of all time, Reply All, mm-hmm. uh, was doing a, a kind of like a coverage of the whole Bon Appetit scandal. Yeah. And in, uh, like, as a result of that, got wrapped up in their own scandal because once they were talking about other people, like, not hearing enough views from black people Mm. or, you know, things like that, like, a lot of people came out of the woodwork that had very similar arguments against Reply All. Yeah. Um, And... Uh, you know, it ended up with uh, they they ended up canceling. It was like a whole mini series from Reply All <laughs> that they ended up canceling. Uh, the lead on the story, the person mm. who did most of the research for it, and one of the hosts both resigned from Le- from Reply All over over this uh, overdoing this story. Mm, um, and but the you know, the, like the allegations against Bon Appetit were, were pretty large also. It was like they would do, 
um, you know, like they would do like Chinese dishes, but they were all like, it was a recipe from like a white guy who was making the dish. And mm. like they had Chinese people on the staff and nobody ever asked them their fucking opinion or how to make this dish or like, you know, and some of these people were like, you know, in roles where they could have been putting forth, uh, recipes or story ideas or other mm. things like that. And in some cases they did put forth recipes and story ideas and were turned down only to have that same recipe or story idea done by a white person later. Yeah. That, see that fucking sucks. Um, so like I understand. So like, it's kind of related and like the allegations are the same that they were whitewashing all the food and that they were taking the culture out of dishes that were like had specific culture attached to them and all these things. And I understand all those allegations, but like, you know, the inability for anyone to improve upon any recipe because they're not of the ethnicity of the person who made the recipe initially is fucking garbage. Mm. Well, I wouldn't say, I think I have issue with improve on. I'd be like, you know, to, to change or to adapt or to work with like, you know, ingredients that you have like available. Um, but I don't know, maybe it's different. Like, you know, like I made uh, last weekend, I made laksa for the first time, which is Malaysian food. I am not, or Malaysian Singaporean. I'm not Malaysian. I'm not Singaporean but I'm also not selling it. And I'm not being like, oh, I've made this better. I was like, this is a dish I love. I want to see if I can learn to make it. I looked at loads of recipes and then I kind of went for it. And yeah, it was okay. But if I was then going to be like, do you know what? I've never really, I've been to Malaysia once and Singapore once. I've read some recipes online and now I'm going to make a Malaysian restaurant. I'm like, come on. But if I was like, I love this food. I like understand the culture. I understand where it comes from. And I'm going to open a restaurant with a uh, Malay partner like why not hmm. you know one of the most famous um, food writers who writes about Chinese food is called Fuchsia Dunlop um, and I can't remember if she's American or British but she's um, definitely not Chinese um, and she wrote one of her cookbooks which I have it's amazing it's called Every Grain of Rice but she was the first foreign woman to ever be accepted into the Sichuan School of Cookery Mm -hmm. um, and she studied Chinese food um, like at this school for like, I don't know, five years or something crazy and has traveled all around China. And all she does is research and write about Chinese food. Is she better able to talk about Chinese food than the average Chinese person that hasn't studied for five years? Probably. What? But a Chinese person that has done the same training? No. But she had the language and the access to the West that they didn't. Um, and has really educated a lot of people and opened doors to Chinese food that people would never have had otherwise. So I can see kind of good in it and bad in it. But I think, you know, hopefully we should be more evolved than that now. I think the, the main, I think the main idea is, well, I mean, two things. With what you just said, mm. the, um, the audience is is very important with, I mean, if you're talking about something subjective like food mm. and saying if it's better or worse, the audience is quite important there. Yeah. And I would say for, for most Americans, if you like, if I were to fly from Shanghai to New York with a, with a pot of porridge mm -hmm. and put it down from, you know, put it down in front of an American, they would 
you know, probably hate it. Mm. And it's so very different than what we think of as breakfast food. Right. And so if I were to make that in an American style and put it in front of them, they would probably say, yeah, this is way better. Mm. Um, I think the, you know, the, so like the, in, the audience in terms of saying, is this better or is this worse? Or are you allowed to call this better or worse? I think is quite important. Mm. Um, because like, I, I don't know if she was here in China and opened a restaurant like that and was saying that it was better. She She'd would be laughed She at would down. just get laughed at <laughs> and nobody would ever buy it and she would go out of business and we wouldn't be talking about this. Yeah. Um, but the audience has obviously made it quite important and, you know, maybe this woman's an idiot about it and, you know, that has made it kind of a hot topic issue. Mm. Um, but, you know, the other thing I think uh, to consider is um, – like if people are showing the proper amount of respect mm. to something that's not in their culture. Um, so I think we, you know, people get upset about like cultural, cultural appropriation when they think it's like taking something and making light of it or taking something and, and, you know, kind of, um, uh, you know, looking down at it yeah. or, or saying, discovering it. I can be going on holiday to Spain and being like, you'll never guess what I've discovered. <laughs> the continent. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Imagine the first time you ate a croissant, you were like, guess what I've discovered, guys. This belongs to me now. I'm going to make it better. I'm going to add jam. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like, uh, I lost my train of thought. Oh, sorry. I got, I distracted you with my jam talk. Uh, <laughs> um, somehow the, somehow the crystal dildos weren't distracting at all. <laughs> um, <laughs> you say two words about jam. <laughs> uh, <laughs> jam is such a weird food. <laughs> Whoever thought let's take fruit and boil it with sugar and then stick it in a jar. And then spread it on stuff. Like, isn't it a weird concept? Um, you know, actually, that's cultural appropriation because fruit on its own was just fine as it is. <laughs> and people have been eating fruit for hundreds of years. And the idea that you can make it better by, you know, uh, making it British by adding adding sugar and putting it in a jar, um, you know, that's quite offensive to my fruit culture. Yeah. Raspberry jam, though. Cool. <laughs> Raspberry jam on But warm, like this is in some croissant. ways like that's the argument. Seriously. Uh I think you're like very much belittling the argument. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that is it actually out. Even a little bit. Uh no. <laughs> um I'm not sure I have much more to say on this. I don't really either. I just okay. want to say conjugate. That is what I shall be now referring to this. Congee gate. Can we call it porridge gate? Nope, we cannot. Congee gate. Congee gate. Okay, I think along with cornland, <laughs> we can weird we can we can throw that in with a uh, awkward title that nobody will understand unless they listen to the entire episode, <laughs> which of course they won't because it's a shit title. Um, Corngate. <laughs> so maybe maybe this will overtake uh, Cornland as our least. <laughs> to episode. Wait, is Cornland our least listened to episode? Um, yes, it is. I wonder why. Uh, <laughs> 
Um, all right, let's uh, move on to the last topic, which is I'm the dumbest so, thing you heard all week. Yeah, I'm so hot. I'm sorry, Carl. Can we take a two-minute cool-down break? Oh, sure. Oh, So we have a new segment for the end of our podcast because we can't can't quite find one we like. But we will like this one. We're going to do Pick of the Week where me and Kyle recommend our favourite piece of content that we have enjoyed. Kyle, do you want to go first? Uh, sure. Uh, so I've been listening to a brand new podcast which just launched in June. Mm-hmm. Um, it's by Barry Weiss. Do you know Barry Weiss? Nope. Okay, Barry Weiss was a uh, Wall Street Journal and New York Times editor, so she was a journalist for a long time, Um, and she had a very public, um, very public departure from the New York Times. Um, She basically wrote like a public resignation letter that was just like the media is shit. Uh, you know, everyone's chasing this fucking hype nonsense. Mm. Um, and the New York Times is supposed to be better than this. And I no longer want to work for the New York Times. Wow. Um, and uh, so that was like at the beginning of this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was off for a little while. And then just this summer launched a new podcast called Honestly, mm-hmm. um, which is really crazy. Every episode is on something completely different. Um, it's, it's very, like a lot of it is that kind of anti-media, but like in a very like highbrow way. Mm -hmm. Um, so like kind of reporting on the media or the way media has reported on other things. Um, and the first episode I listened to was, uh, it's called the real story of the central park Karen. Um, which is, oh, interesting. which is the, do you know, the central yeah, yeah, park yeah. Karen is the lady who called the cops, um, on a black man who was jogging or something. Who, yeah. Who was bird watching. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, had this hysterical phone call to the police because she was walking her dog without a leash, um, and said that she was being threatened and all this stuff. And basically like it, it like obviously that was a very well covered story and yeah. was like something that you know uh i had seen the video of and like has been talked about every which way um but she revealed like a lot of the backstory behind it that i had no idea about um and really like dug in deep with some things on it that were super interesting to listen to that sounds up my alley yeah, it's great. Honestly, by Barry Weiss. Okay, I'll look that up. Um, I watched a great movie this weekend, which probably does not need us to advertise it, but it was just so interesting and, like, unusual. Um, and I think, so it was The Green Knight, um, and it's, like, a kind of fantasy sort of epic done in, like, the story is super low-key, so there's not, like, too, there's a, a kind of, like, the narrative isn't, like, super wild, but at the same time, it's, like, one of the weirdest movies I've seen in ages, but the most beautifully shot and, like, visually stunning film I've watched in so long. And it was just, like, a really unusual approach to a genre that's been done so many times. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just really, like, surprised me. Um, and I I really liked it. And I was just like, oh, this is super not what I was expecting. It's, like, the retelling of an Arthurian legend. Um, and it was super cool. And the cast is really unusual and, like, super good. And I just loved it. And I think everyone should watch it. It was very interesting. Um, Cool. Awesome. Um, uh, On that note, have you ever watched Your Highness? No. H-I-G-H-N-E-S-S. Oh, like Highness. Yeah. It's like a a weed comedy. 
Um, <laughs> no, with, I have not. Uh, <laughs> with Danny McBride and James Franco. Um, and it's uh, the same story, um, but they like smog pot and it's a comedy. I mean, that seems, I can see how that would work. <laughs> Having seen the film, I can really see how that would work. <laughs> All right, so that's been it. Carl, you do the outro credits. Okay, please. great. Um, this has been What It's About with Kyle and Claire. You can find us online at www.whatitsabout.fun. You can send us an email, and please send us an email. Nobody ever sends us emails. Yeah. I, I did request once that people emailed us memes, and no one ever did. No, never. I only get spam. <laughs> oh, so um, sad. Uh, anyway, that's whatitsaboutpod at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram at whatitsaboutpod. Uh, our intro song is Retro Electro by Mario Cole. Other <laughs> music this week from Ashutosh Music, Mativ, and Whataboy. Thank you, and we'll see you next week. Oh, man, how many times have we done this outro? Whatever, fuck it. I'll cut it in from another episode.